You're listening to Outnumber the Podcast, episode 148, with guest Emily Burnett of Moso Money. Today, we are joined by one of my Bonnie's closest friends, Emily, who is a whiz at budgeting and helping empower women to get on track with their money. Join us as we learn about Emily's financial success story, some tricky thoughts that stay-at-home moms sometimes harbor, and the unique perspective that Emily brings to budgeting. If you felt stuck with money in the past, this is the episode for you. Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. Okay, welcome everybody. We are excited for a new episode today. We're going to have an excellent guest on the podcast today. She is actually a personal friend of mine, Bonnie's. I want to welcome Emily. Emily Burnett, welcome to the show. Awesome. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So just give us a quick second and tell us something about yourself personally and professionally. Sure. Yeah. I have done a little bit of everything professionally. And I'm currently on my third official career working working in marketing technology. Um, But I've definitely discovered my biggest passion is helping women in particular change their lives by changing their money lives. Um, Personally, I'm from Montana. And even though I haven't lived there for 20 years, it's still part of my core identity. I love outdoorsy things. And um, currently mountain biking is my, is my favorite hobby. And I am an avid maker and eater of baked goods. Yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> okay, I know you're Bonnie's friend, but you can be my BFF now too, because I'm from Montana. What? No <laughs> so way. I know, and I haven't been back for, oh, I, I don't know. I've, I've been, you know, visited, but like married 25 years ago. So yeah, Ooh. we're like, talk about this later. <laughs> well, so fun. I love that connection. Yeah. We're super excited to talk to you about helping women with money because that's something that we really love too. Like we love to talk about it on this podcast and that some of our most popular episodes is the one where we help women, moms, families, big families with money stuff. But we want to start out like we usually do. If you can share a funny personal or parenting moment with us and our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So I am approaching 40, never married and no kids, but I'm a big fan of kids and love interacting with my nieces and nephews. And this is a couple years ago, my five-year-old nephew, who I see multiple times a week, or sorry, multiple times a month, where I'm very involved, I feel like, in their lives. <laughs> he asked, Yeah, Emmy, do you have any kids? And I laughed because I would have had to do the best job hiding those kids and every single reference to them. And then when I told, I was about to answer his question and he goes, oh, that's right. You're still a kid. (laughs) Because apparently in his mind, if you're not married and you don't have kids, you are a kid yourself. (laughs) 
Works for me. Um, I I would roll with that one. Next time you want to call in for work. Sorry, I just didn't feel like it. I'm kind of feeling like a kid today. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Oh, there are times I feel like when the most pressures hit me of parenting and like adulthood, that's when I'm just like, oh, I'm going to be a kid today too. What are we doing today, kids? Oh, we're making a mess and building some forts. Sweet. Lunch? Nope, not doing it. Yeah, no, we're not doing adulting today. That sounds amazing. (laughs) That's cute. Super cute. Um, Okay. So I have to just start off by saying that um, I have watched Emily go through her financial transformation, which we'll ask you to share about in a minute. And then she has basically been my personal money coach for the past (laughs) several years. And it's been phenomenal because she can attest that anytime I have a financial meltdown or a stress of any sort, like I can't figure out this budgeting technique. I can't do this. I mark a polar and tell her and cry about it. And she just tells me it'll all be all right. <laughs> so she is, she is my personal favorite financial guru. Um, and I just love hearing you share um, your financial success story, Emily. So can you give us a brief overview on that, how you got to financial freedom? Yes, totally. And I mean, I honestly would not be where I am financially free. I mean, where I feel is financial freedom without making a huge mess. And I feel like that is part of what gives me a huge part of what gives me the heart to talk about it and help others. Um, I'm definitely the person who has made all the money mistakes. I have probably, gosh, 15, 15 years plus of making money mistakes. And so Just a little bit about that. I started with a very early exposure to credit card debt, the the magic of them, you know, buy now, pay later. Um, And then, you know, I amassed because I was making credit card payments. I didn't have all the money I needed for tuition that led to student loans. And I I just didn't make a lot of plans uh, for how I was going to afford things. So I really felt like I saddled myself with debt and um, an expensive life. And um, I just kind of hoped that things would work themselves out. But honestly, I didn't see a way out of debt or a path forward to financial freedom um, until it's probably six-ish years ago. I had actually just been given a raise at work and I thought, great. I can buy all the things now. I make so much money now. And it really wasn't that much. And then as I got to looking at um, my budget, which I was newly doing, I was like, I make way too much money to feel this broke. And at my peak at that time, I had $50,000 in consumer debt and was making like minimum debt payments were eleven over $1,100 a month. <gasps> Oh, ouch. Yeah, it was a crazy thought to think if that goes away, I get that much more money in my life. And that was really motivating. Um, And then um, a few, I'd say like five things got me to financial freedom. So do you have any questions about my, my mess before I share some of the things I did? I have a question. Was there any big expenditures? I mean, besides college, or was it just kind of a daily or monthly, weekly consumer Mm -hmm. habit? Yeah, that's such a good question. Uh, There were some big ones along the way of like, um, you know, as a freshman in college, I dropped like $700 on a plane ticket, which I I mean, that's not 
huge back then. It was a little more. Um, but I, there was a car, there was a car that I could definitely not afford. Um, and there had been other cars along the way that contributed. Uh, but I would say the majority of it was, it was the small stuff really adding up. And it was very much the, the lack of a plan for how I would afford anything in the short term. So I would just put it on a credit card and, and then hope that I would come up with a plan later. And that didn't happen. Okay. All right. Thanks for answering that. I, like, I'm totally enthralled with this story. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could go on all day long about the messes I made and the, and the mindsets that got there. And I think we'll probably get to some of those later. Um, so it might be a welcome pause in the, in the misery story <laughs> to, to talk about what actually worked for me. And because I feel like I tried all the things I remember reading a book. I think I read it in one session standing in an aisle at Barnes and Noble, uh, <laughs> called debt free by 30. <laughs> and I was like 29 and two months or something. And I remember reading that book and getting, it was like a glimmer of hope. Like, wow, what would that be like to be debt free? Um, I remember getting a book, a Dave Ramsey book from my cousin and I read the whole thing and I like hit it uh, because I felt like I will, I will be financially responsible when I'm debt free or, I mean, it was so counterproductive, but um, what finally worked for me was like that wake up call of like, I wake, I make too much money to feel this broke. And also there is a way for me to get over $1,100 back in my monthly life. And so at that point, I got more real than I'd ever been about my spending. Um, because it's not like I never tried to budget or quote unquote budget. But I just got very real about how much life cost me. And all the things that come up occasionally or unpredictably, I built those into monthly amounts, which I hadn't done before. So I could really now see what life cost me. That was huge. Um, number two, the second thing I'd say I did was mapping out my journey to debt freedom. And for those who are listening who maybe debt isn't your struggle, but there is some big financial goal that you want to hit, mapping it out on paper so that I could see over the next 36 months where my debt status would be. And then seeing, a, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel was really empowering. And then the third thing was uh, finding a tool. I was actually using the tool, but I, I doubled down and just kind of fell in love with, and Bonnie knows this, my favorite life tool ever is called You Need a Budget. And it's a budgeting app that uh, just really was a huge, huge part of, of my journey. Um, it just clicked in my mind and we could talk more about that later, but having a tool that keeps your money organized according to your plan was huge. Um, and then the fourth thing was budgeting money for some fun stuff. You know, I 
I did tighten the belt because I wanted to, but even still, I prioritized for some fun, guilt-free spending, and that that made a big difference. And then the fifth and last thing, I just simplified. I simplified all the good things I was trying to do. I was trying to, you know, make payments on all of my, make extra payments on all of my debt. I was trying to save for um, an emergency fund. I was trying to invest in retirement. I was just trying to do all the good things and it really helped to simplify and pick one. So um, maybe you'll tell us this later, but um, can we find out how much it, how long it took you to pay off that debt? Oh, certainly. Yes. So when I mapped it out, it was about, it was actually three and a half years when I mapped it out. And that, it sounds so long, but it felt so exciting because in my, in my head, before I got it on paper, it seemed like it was going to take 30 years. So for it to only be three and a half years was really exciting. And then I did it in less than two. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. So, so, so exciting. I know everything seems like a long time before you start. Right. And then you start get getting moving and you get your motivation or your momentum rolling and all of a sudden you're there. That's so cool. Totally. I, I honestly felt like as soon as I got on purpose with my money, um, my money got on purpose too. Like it just, it couldn't wander away. It couldn't spend itself. More money came to me. Um, I've written about, you know, when you have money, when you have like a good home for money to come to, money just kind of gets drawn to that good home Mm -hmm. because it knows it'll be taken good care of there. Oh, I know that's, that is an awesome sentiment. And I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of really into your story over here. Bonnie's probably heard it before, but this is my, (laughs) and probably some of our audience's first time hearing it. And I love hearing like just this success story and like these five steps that you use, you just got intentional about what you were doing. And so often on this podcast, we talk about just being intentional, not letting life happen to you, but (laughs) making your life happen. And and you're talking about your goals and, you know, you're mapping and you're focusing and, you know, discipline and finding the right tools. And it's like getting all excited for you. Right <laughs> here. Oh. Well, and one thing I would add, if I may, is that um, so one of my business taglines is get your roots right. And and that's why I really do focus on the basics of money. Um, I'm not an investing professional. I'm not your financial planner Um, I really help women in particular, um, get excited about taking care of their money. And like, I do think that discipline comes as you do it. Um, but it's almost like the reward of, of starting to do it. And, um, yeah, I, I, I find that when I talk to people about the, the B word, the budgeting word, (laughs) people will respond with, oh yeah, I should be doing that. And I, I want to like yell really nicely and be like, no, no, you don't, you shouldn't, you want to, this is like the most exciting thing you can do for your life right now and for your future. Um, cause it, it has brought nothing but good things into my life. I paid off all that debt. I have bought a home on my own. Um, I've, you know, like the, the mountain bike that I currently love, I have paid cash for a lot of things over the past couple of years. 
um, it's just a, it's, it's made so many good things possible. So many generous things, hopefully along the way possible. So just wanted to add that. Okay. That is really amazing. I love, I, I think there's a word that's coming to my mind hearing you talk about this and about people, you know, how they just kind of resist something that they think yeah. they have to do. But the word that's coming to my mind is like empowering. Like yes. what, yeah, what you're doing is like, you want people to be empowered to have this great force behind them. And so we want you to talk a little bit, yeah. tell us more about why do you focus on women and helping empower them when it comes to money? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. Over um, over my time doing this, and I, I have been coaching people over the last uh, four to five years, I have worked with couples, I've worked with men, and I've worked with women. I've learned I don't care for working with couples uh, because money is such a personal thing. And the most beneficial coaching I can do is one-on-one -on -one, where you don't have another person to almost like either blame or hide behind or abdicate <laughs> responsibility to. What do you mean? <laughs> I can tell you later. I can elaborate. Who on does that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but honestly, I just, I have such a heart for what women feel about money because I felt it myself. And, and this isn't all women, but in my experience, my personal experience, and then talking with women, I, I know that women more than men, and again, this is not exclusive or, you know, all women feel this way, but women feel bad with money. And that's kind of like this mantra running in the background, like, I'm bad with this. It's hard. I can't do it. Um, a guy might actually factually be bad with money, but he's less likely, less likely to beat himself up for it. Guys just have a lot of misplaced confidence. I no no <laughs> yeah. offense, guys, if you're listening. <laughs> they can be good or bad, and they always think they're good at it. We like to beat ourselves up about everything. Totally. Totally. <laughs> um also, I think women just in general deal more with guilt and and try to outspend the guilt. Um, and, you know, like the thought in their head might be, if I can't feel good about money, at least I can buy stuff at Target. And <laughs> that feels like a win, but it just causes more guilt. And then shame-based spending, which only feels good for a minute. And also one thing, um, I think that women are typically the primary spenders in a household and they're buying things like groceries or stuff for the kids. And because you are doing the spending for the household, you can feel like a spender when that's maybe a little unfair to yourself because you're probably not spending as much on yourself. So, and then also I think a woman well, I don't think, I know, a woman who's empowered with money has options. And then she has options to create, uh, or the confidence to create options for herself. And then they have more of a voice in whatever situation they're in, whether they're single or whether they're married. Um, they can just create a lot more for themselves and for a family. And they can pass down healthy money dynamics to their kids. So that's, that's why I really love focusing on women. Oh, that's so great. Um, and I know 
I personally, and I know Audrey and many of our listeners can really relate to some of the things you said, um, going along those lines of, of the women and all the responsibility that falls on us, especially as mothers that are running a household with a lot of people in it. What can you say specifically um, towards those listening who maybe are stay-at-home moms who do not bring home a paycheck or or bring home one that's very small and doesn't like really contribute to the household? I know that there's some drama associated with that and not making mm-hmm. quote unquote our own money, right? So what kind mm-hmm. of what kind of tips or advice do you have for those women that that really struggle with with understanding money in that way? Yeah, well, I have a lot of compassion for that feeling. Um, and I would, I would say to not undervalue, like monetarily your contributions. Um, because again, your, your spending and your management of the household resources are benefiting everyone. Um, also you staying at home with children allows your spouse to bring home income that doesn't have to cover things like childcare. Um, there's a reason, you know, Dave Ramsey is, is somebody whose podcast was really influential at helping me stay motivated as I was aggressively paying off my debt. Um, and he and others strongly recommend that in a couple, you have life insurance on both parties in that couple, that just because a woman isn't bringing in an income that to replace her would cost a lot of money. Um, for a nanny or childcare or the person who would fill in the household management. So again, I would, um, I would, I would encourage you to, or any listeners who struggle with that to, to really, really value your, your contributions to allowing the household income to kind of flow freely like it does. Ooh, that's a great comment. And let me just say before anyone attacks me that Audrey and I clearly do not <laughs> feel like stay-at-home moms are no, of no value. But I just know that this is something that a lot of women struggle with because the world in general tells us that if you don't produce green, that maybe there you don't have a purpose. <laughs> and yeah. I love, I love how so many families work together with this really great dynamic of somebody goes to work and somebody stays home with kids and sometimes they both stay home and work. And, you know, however you've worked it out, that both parties Mm -hmm. are equally valuable. um, But the world likes to tell us that that's not the case. So I I really appreciate those comments. Totally. Well, and I I would just add that I think that a lot of those feelings, they definitely do get influenced by, you know, just what's going on. And like you said, there is a lot of pressure like um, for worth being attached to income, et cetera. But I think it's, it's like more that personal, like if there's a listener who has internalized or taken on kind of a mantra of my, my contributions aren't as worthwhile as somebody who's making money that I would just be really compassionate with yourself and to kind of start honoring your contributions more fully. Um, And the other thing I would add is that, you know, when I have worked with couples, a lot of men really are um, anxious for their, their wives to be an equal partner. And sometimes I think that like the feeling guilty, either about spending or not contributing to income can keep a woman from like fully stepping up to the household money table as an equal. And, um, 
anyway, I would just add that for motivation to kind of challenge the thought that your contributions may not be as valuable as they really are. Oh, wow. That is such an amazing thought. You know, we have a whole episode about staying home at mom, stay at home moms. And we did spend a chunk of time on that one talking about um, how we can combat these feelings of not being worth our, of our worth, our self-worth. But yeah, I've noticed that if I focus on those kind of thoughts that um, I'm using up a lot of energy, just hating on myself instead of using that, that time and that energy and that focus on just being empowered and helping spend responsibly um, manage the money that is coming in. And uh, yeah. And so like, just, okay, just quit wasting time on this, this stupid thought and let it go and then focus on something that's going to help be a help to the relation, the, you know, the money and the relationships. So I love that. So give us a little insight. What makes your money perspective different from others that we may have heard about? Um, That is a really, really great question. And I, I don't claim to be the only voice out there or the only coach who's made mistakes and that's where they get their heart for coaching. But a couple, a couple things that I think combine to make my perspective unique is the huge mess I've made and dug out from it and then gone on to do some really satisfying things with my money. Um, again, that by itself isn't, you know, the only thing, but um, I really get the the emotions of money that a lot of women struggle with. And that is kind of a relief for clients who can like share their dirty secret with me and realize it's not a dirty secret (laughs) that I get it. They're not alone. So it kind of normalizes their experiences. Um, Also, I would say I'm not, I'm not frugal. I never have been probably never will. And, and so that's not one of my pillars. There are, there are some voices that are intrinsically frugal. And so that's what they encourage. And that resonates with some people, but I am kind of a spender and I like nice things. And so I think that makes me a little more accessible to others who like nice things and are not by nature frugal. And then also I, I don't claim to be a one-stop financial shop. Like I really, my heart is for the monthly money, the monthly spending. And so I don't, you know, tell you how to manage credit card points or um, where you should be investing. That's not my jam. It's not what turns me on. I'm grateful for other professionals who that is their thing. And then the last thing I would say that kind of goes into the recipe of what makes my money perspective different is that I don't really tell people what to do. I'm not telling people how much to budget on household. There are or household expenses or living expenses or groceries. There are some of those numbers that are out there and those might be helpful for some people. Um, I just introduce people to a tool that changes lives and then provide a safe place for them to open up about their money and their feelings about money. And then I may ask questions 
and challenge challenge thoughts. Um, but ultimately, my my approach is that it should be your plans and your priorities and your finite resources that um, shape your spending. And I am a supporting coach in your journey. Oh, yes. I can say personally how much I love this slightly different paradigm that, that Emily shares. Um, and, and that is coming from a person who also really likes nice things and really likes to spend money. Because in the past, when I had entered the budgeting sphere, it seemed like everywhere I looked, all I heard was stop spending anything that is non-essential and um, get your ducks in a row. And then maybe someday down the line, you'll be able to buy a nice pair of shoes again. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but to hear that budgeting advice from someone who's like, no, of course you can buy something you like. You know, you might have to save a little bit longer or you might have to um, uh, decide that you're going to pull back in another area of life. But it is totally okay to use your resources for something that you enjoy and brings you happiness. Um, And I think for a spender to hear that is kind of like, I'm not broken intrinsically. Like I I am still a good person and there is a way for me to make my money work and still cover all the bases and still... Um, use it for things that bring me joy. So I, I just love oh, hearing that. Good, good. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of us have a lot of guilt around even just the word budget. People are like, oh, you only do that when you don't have a lot of money or it's synonymous with a no fun life. And that has been the absolute opposite for me. So I love sharing it with others. I'm glad that has made a difference for you, Bonnie. <laughs> totally. Okay, so let's change tracks a little bit and and give some concrete tips here. For listeners who have tried to budget before and seem to still be struggling or they can't seem to stay organized, what is your tip for where they should start? Where What's a great place to to start from scratch? Yeah, um, I, get, I get this perspective a lot because I feel like that's where I spend all of my 20s. Um, I'm like, I have spreadsheets and I've tried mint and ace money and and it's not working for me like it's not it can't seem to stay organized so i really get this uh, perspective um and i would just challenge you to like have a heart to heart with yourself and ask why like why can't you seem to stay organized and and write down your answers and and be willing to like see if there are excuses and i'm not saying that you would need to apologize or feel bad for those excuses, but just maybe a little healthy challenging of them would be actually really freeing. I would also say, I would, I would ask, is your spending all accounted for? Because I think the best budget can absolutely be wrecked when you don't have all of your spending accounted for. So, and of course there will be, there will be things that like you break an ankle and you need um, a a boot, a special boot that's not covered or you have to pay cash. You know, like things will happen, but there is so much that people get waylaid by that can be at least in part planned for and worked into their monthly budget. So those would be my two tips there. Like write down why, and then get very, very honest about all of your spending. All right. That's such good advice because yeah, like I I feel like there's some bondage 
we women carry around some some bondage and we don't just give ourselves like these words that you're using like freedom and empowerment and we just kind of say yeah i just spent like okay you know a hundred dollars on fabric that's what bonnie and i love to spend money (laughs) but i'm not even going to talk about that like i'm i'm just gonna you know whatever i'm gonna pretend that didn't happen yeah yeah and pretending and hiding and like dishonesty and or just you know little white lies or whatever so i love these words that you're using honesty and empowerment and Mm -hmm. you know this little talk you have with if anybody's feeling bad about some some current or past dishonesty about spending there was a time when my purchases always just lived in the trunk of my car (laughs) until I was ready to use them. So let's just put that out there. It is totally a common thing to just feel that shame, right? Um, But to be completely honest with yourself is a great starting point. And then you go, oh, look, I really enjoy spending money on fabric or on shoes or whatever. How can I work that into my budget and still not get into debt, right? Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Okay. So tell us what kind of feelings should women have about budgeting and money management. And and then we know that our thoughts, our feelings come from our thoughts. So what thoughts can help us get to these feelings that are more helpful about budgeting and money management? Yeah. Yeah. I love this question and I love talking about it. Um, feelings, like the reason why I encourage people to budget and to get their roots right with their monthly money is so that they can experience feelings of peace and purpose and gratitude, confidence, excitement, clarity. And one of my, I I have to qualify this one, but I would add control. Um, and, And my clarification for that is, I think this is a really healthy area to feel control. And when there are things happening in our lives or in the world around us, we can often feel out of control and to have like this. And I would, I would guess, I know this from the moms in my life that it feels like a lot of the good things you do get undone by other adorable little people. (laughs) Um, So to have a little area that feels kind of in your control or a lot, a lot in your control. um, That's, that is one of my personal favorites actually. Um, And then thoughts that I would encourage you to entertain are things like I have figured plenty of things out. Money can be one of them. Um, There's plenty of money to go around. I get to choose where to spend my money Uh, a life coach I worked with, she says, and I I love this thought, I've always had enough. Um, The the trick is it has to be a thought you believe. So those might be some ideas for starters, but make it something that you really can believe in in your core, because that will be the thought that gets you to new feelings. Okay. Those are awesome thoughts. Thank you so much for sharing those concrete thoughts because they're coming from a place of abundance and gratitude. And Mm -hmm. those are definitely going to invoke the right feelings. If we have thoughts that are rooted in abundance and gratitude, that that's just amazing. Thanks for sharing those. You bet. 
Yeah. And I would um, say in regards to that control thought, I really enjoy that as well. Even if you are married and in a relationship where you're sharing money, you can structure it in such a way that you each have money to spend however you want. And even if it's something little, you know, I remember a time when we had maybe $25, $30 a month that was our own, but I got to do whatever the heck I wanted to, right? I could choose to go blow it on a manicure, even if we had no money, no extra money anywhere else, because that was mine and it was my choice. And that was really, really empowering to know that I wasn't being run by this super strict budget that meant I could never ever have any fun. But if I wanted something else, then I had to, you know, be a little disciplined so that I could save that money for that other thing. Um, But that really brings a lot of like you say, peace and contentment when you know that there's something that you get to choose where it, what it goes towards. Totally. I love that. Great. Yeah, that's such a good thought. Okay. So to wrap up, we just want to hear a little bit more about the resources that you offer, Emily. I know that you have a budgeting course and a few other things that you can offer our audience. Um, can you give us a little rundown about that and where people can find that? Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, on my site, I do have a freebie that Um, it's actually the empowered money handbook. So right along with the empowered theme that we've talked about, um, and this would be perfect for your listeners who this has resonated with and, you know, sparked some hope that really they can be different with money or their money can be different. I mean, I created it to help people start to get unstuck and then for those who are dead serious about getting unstuck and this is their moment where they're like, okay, I'm, I'm done living below my potential <laughs> with money and, and I'm ready to make a change. I have the budgeting course. Um, it's a three month package, but that's not, you know, an intensive, most of that will be on your own. And I'm your, I'm your coach and cheerleader accessible via email, the occasional phone call. Um, there's a, an awesome workbook that you'll work through. And, um, cause I know there, there can be a learning curve to learning any new system or taking on any new habit. And so to have somebody by your side who is there to help you um, get unstuck or keep you from quitting on the thing that is going to be so awesome for you. That is the whole aim of this course. And I'm so confident in its success that I offer a money back guarantee. If at the end of three months you've done the work and we've had our, our three sessions and you feel like it wasn't worth your money, then no questions asked. I return, I return your money. So Again, the goal is just to help people get unstuck and tap into, you know, giving themselves better options, themselves, their family, etc. So, yes, it's an awesome, awesome thing. Oh, that is so great. Thank you so much for sharing those resources. We will link Emily's um, website in the show notes. It's mosomoney. Is there a hyphen in there? I can't remember, Emily. Nope, just mosomoney.com. And then we will share um, all of her social media handles as well. She has a great blog that if you subscribe to her email list, you get all kinds of money tips, which is just fantastic. I look forward to reading them all the time. So Emily, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast and for sharing all your amazing tools for um, helping our listeners get a little bit closer to financial freedom. You bet. It has honestly been a pleasure. And thanks for all the good you're contributing in the world. And thanks for having me on. 
Thanks for listening, friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. And then all right, quick, quick pause. Are, are you guys picking up the lawnmower that just arrived? Yeah, I was just going to say that. I, okay. hear, I hear something. Is it a plane? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it let me, um, nope, it's a lawnmower and they'll be gone. So I'm going to switch to the front. Totally. I was like, how long is an airplane flying over? <laughs> <laughs> and my thought was that there's like somebody practicing a church organ next to you. Like you have a church next to you and someone's practicing I thought either an organ. airplane or somebody had their dryer on. <laughs> oh, well, they're both beautiful thoughts. <laughs> <laughs>